This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We are back for another episode of the Equalizer podcast. No, you're not listening to a different podcast. This is a different voice. Um, you've heard me a couple of times here on the show. My name is Rachel Krieger. I'm going to be hosting today. I have with me Caitlin Best, our uh, frequent Equalizer contributor for the Portland Thorns. She is also part of the Rose City Review. Caitlin, how's it going? I'm doing good, Rachel. How are you? I am doing great. It's been a long weekend, but it's been a good weekend. So, um, and I'm not going to lie to you at, at time of recording folks, it is six o'clock on the East coast time. And I totally forgot about the Sunday game until <laughs> just like three minutes. Ago. <laughs> yeah. It's really soon. It's less than an hour. Yeah. I was like, Oh wow. That is tonight. Yep. <laughs> um, but um, so it's, as I said, a time of recording, it's an hour before um, that game kicks off. So we're not going to be covering that this weekend. So best of luck to the two teams who are playing the Houston Dash and the North Carolina Courage. But um, for this first segment, um, before we really get into it, we're going to be talking a lot about the Thorns tonight um, because Caitlin was at the game at Providence Park on Wednesday. Um, just a quick scoreboard review of everything that happened from Wednesday until uh, now, really, Portland hosted OL Rain in a Cascadia rivalry, took the win four to one. Uh, we will talk all about that and what it was like to be in an empty stadium. Um, and then on Saturday, October 3rd, Sky Blue hosted Washington Spirit. It was Washington's last game in the NWSL Fall Series, and Washington got the win one nothing after uh, Kumi Yokoyama absolute rocket of a goal um and then late last night if you were up watching it on the east coast i'm sure you definitely watched it on the west coast portland thorns utah royals at the rio tinto stadium drew 1-1 with goals from amy rodriguez and from christine sinclair um so let's get into it caitlin um first off what was it like being there at providence park one of the best stadiums if not the best stadium in the nwsl in terms of atmosphere with nobody there um <laughs> so it's funny so so just for the record this was the their the, the thorn second game at home and it was my second time attending um you know it's weird because i i have been in that stadium when it's been relatively quiet for like preseason games in the past um the the thing that was weird which i was not expecting wasn't the lack of fans it was the fact that they had the like fake pre-recorded crowd noise playing in the stadium itself oh really yeah <laughs> that's so weird <laughs> that's I don't know if I strange. could have dealt with that it's so strange um the first game against Utah it was really loud and I think they turned it down a little bit for the rain game 
Um, but I was kind of disappointed because I, I mean, one of the like fun things about having no fans in the stadium is how clearly you can hear the coaches and the players yelling. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit disappointed that it was not as easy um, to hear that due to the, the again, fake crowd noise. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I think that everything this year has been so strange that it actually, like, it felt like the first normal thing that I've done in a really long time, even though, like, nothing about the situation was normal. Right. You, know, you go in, they take your temperature, they have to take this survey of if you have any symptoms. There's one bathroom open in the whole stadium, and it's down on the concourse. Like, you have to take a different route to get up to the press box. So everything is weird. But at the same time, just, like, being in the stadium, seeing a soccer game in person is, like, such a that that in itself just feels like a really pleasantly kind of normal thing to be doing even though everything else about the situation is so strange yeah that's I couldn't even imagine it honestly like that's so crazy I I haven't been able we we have a USL team out here in Pittsburgh and I haven't been able to go to any of the games but I just like everybody's been telling me it's so weird and so surreal Mm -hmm to just be there and have like literally nobody else there. I cannot get over the crowd noise thing that you mentioned. Yeah. It's That's very crazy. funny. Oh my goodness. Uh, so getting into it on a, on a soccer standpoint, uh, Christine Sinclair scored a hat trick. So mm-hmm. everybody who said that she's getting older is probably quieting down a little bit. <laughs> um, and, you know, Rocky Rodriguez scored an absolute stunner on a, on a volley in, in from, um, from the left side it was absolutely incredible just what were your thoughts on the game um I thought it was a really fun game and I would say I mean I think all three of the the games that the Thorns have played have been super fun in different ways um the Christine Sinclair thing is so funny I was just thinking about this she scored a hat trick against the rain she scored um one arguably two goals last night although only one counted you look at all of these goals and it's like defenses are just falling asleep on Christine Sinclair. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's, what's going through players heads, but multiple players, you just, you just see Christine Sinclair just able to sort of run right by, um, which is not to take away obviously from her as a player. Um, I just, I also want to say for the record, I predicted that Christine Sinclair hat trick. If you go back on my Twitter <laughs> first goal, I was like, this is the game. She's going to score three. Oh, I'll have um, to look so, back at that. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a lot of fun. Sink, Sink was amazing. Um, I could like, there's a lot of players that I could like rave about. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was obviously a really good win for Portland and just kind of looking at both teams, Portland really hasn't lost a lot of players to Europe, Mm -hmm. like some teams in the NWSL have. I mean, granted, losing Tobin Heath is is a pretty big gap to fill. Um, But I mean, O.L. Reign was pretty much playing in in my terms with kind of a patchwork team. Mm -hmm. Um, So just kind of on a I don't, I don't want to say talent level, but I guess for lack of better phrase, talent level, just any players that really stood out to you on both sides? Gosh, yeah. Um, so obviously like Portland's like core, which I guess at this point is, is Lindsay Horan and Christine Sinclair. Obviously we don't even need to talk about them. I don't think um, <laughs> the for me, I think that the, like, if I had to pick one thing, like the number one, like 
exciting thing that we've gotten to see over the last three games is the debut and then um you know 20 to 30 minutes she got a half last night Sophia Smith to me has been the the um the real exciting thing to get to see um she is a player who she went first in the draft she had a lot of she's had a lot of hype around her she hadn't played a soccer game um up until that game against the Royals she hadn't played it since I think January when she got a few minutes like in the U20 World Cup um and (laughs) Mark Parsons just kept saying Sophia Smith she's like a special player she's she's going to be really good for us um we didn't get to see her the whole challenge cup and I think that seeing her come in against the Royals and then against the rain it was immediately clear that this is a really special player and that Mm. this was in a lot of ways I think a a piece that was missing for the Thorns during the challenge cup and I think adding her into the mix kind of makes that team work in a way that um that it wasn't totally clear to me you know what the plan was up top I think she's so special her her touch um I I don't know if if this is your experience or, or anybody else's experience but um for whatever reason, seeing a player live for me, um, see, seeing a player who's really special live, it comes across somehow better how good they are. And Sophia Smith is that type of player. So obviously anybody who's seen the streams can tell that she's very good, but, but just seeing her in person, she's like on another level. Like her, like I said, her touch is so good her vision for a player who's 20 years old is like insane. You can tell that she's just reading this game like faster than everyone else around her. Um, I, yeah, I can't speak highly enough about her. I think she's so exciting and so fun to watch. And so, yeah, I'm happy. I'm excited for her to get um, more playing time, hopefully next season. I, yeah, I definitely understand what you mean about seeing a player live. Um, the the closest market for me is the Washington spirit. And I got to see them play against the rain last year. And you know, last year, Shea groom was on the rain. And mm-hmm. I remember watching her and thinking like, wow, she is so good yeah. um, in, in the front three that they had in person. And it was just really cool and exciting to see her. And obviously now even more exciting that she's doing really great things uh, down in Houston and winning challenge cups and scoring goals and all right, of but that. It's jazz. different, isn't it? Seeing him yeah, in person. It is. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess surreal is a good word. It's just like you you see these people on TV and you see you're really only seeing one view, right? Because right, yeah. the camera usually stays on one sort of view. But when you're in person and you're actually watching the game, you're seeing like all the different movements and the routes and, and all kinds of runs that they're making. Um, not to use too much like football terminology, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's it's definitely different. <laughs> Um, for the for the rain, um, I was telling you off off air. Uh, that's that's kind of my beat. That's my uh-huh. team. It was a, it was a rough evening to sit through <laughs> um, for me. But um, what did you think of of their play and and you know their standouts? So I I think they had a tough night. Um, I will say I think I think honestly those first two Thorns games. Mark Parsons even said this after the the. Um, I think after both games, actually, he kind of said like the, the offense, the Thorns offense was not as bad as it looked at the challenge cup. And it's not as good as it looked after that, the, the two home games. Um, 
I think that the the Royals came into their first game, obviously kind of in, I mean, their, their head coach had just been put on leave like less than a week before that game, which is a crazy thing to go through. And then obviously mm-hmm. the rain were on like four days of rest, right? right. Having just played at, at altitude in Utah. Um, and meanwhile, the thorns were on like 10 days of rest. So I think that there's like some caveats to both of those games. Um, and like you said, I think that the Thorns, the Thorns are the team with kind of the most complete roster right now. Um, so yeah, I think the Rain struggled. I think they had some pretty big problems defensively. Um, I do, however, I think there's a couple Rain players that I would call out. Um, I think Jasmine Spencer had a great night. She was kind of one of the only ones trying to get something to happen offensively for the Rain. Um, and then I really, really like Bethany Belser too. Um, I mean, I think obviously she, everybody's familiar with her story. Um, but yeah, I, I think last year, obviously she had a great season, but I think I was maybe a little skeptical, like, okay, let's, let's see if she can like maintain this. It was a weird year for everybody with the world cup. So let's see how she does in a more quote unquote normal year, which of course we didn't get, but I think it's pretty <laughs> safe to say at this point that she's really good she's a real deal and um I think she's a lot of fun to watch yeah she's a really really good player and I I remember just being so excited when she won rookie of the year last year because Mm -hmm. it was something that she totally deserved and you know if if people know me by now they know I have this weird love for Costa Rica and I was so excited to see Shirley Cruz and Rocky Rodriguez playing against each other (laughs) because going back to the challenge cup I wrote this article that was like, they're going to make history when they play (laughs) against each other. And then they didn't. And I was like, oh, come on. My narrative. Right. I was like, oh, (laughs) I did this. And like, listen, not to boast too much, but it was like one of the best things I'd ever written. Uh. (laughs) And then it didn't happen. I was like, well, this sucks yeah and then when they announced the fall series schedule the original date that they had for that match I wouldn't have been able to watch it. I was like son mm. of a gun this sucks and then it got changed and I was like if this doesn't happen this time <laughs> I'm gonna be really really mad and then it finally happened and I was so happy it was so cool to and they both had like really big parts in the game like even though OL Reign lost Shirley Cruz had the assist on the balser goal and she was just bossing it up in the midfield the whole time and then Rocky Rodriguez did Rocky Rodriguez things and just yeah destroyed the internet with her goal sports center goal (laughs) yeah she had easily number one in the top 10 Um, but that was probably my my favorite part of the match being able to see history and just just take place and hoping fingers crossed that we get more Costa Ricans and and players from CONCACAF that aren't just Canadian yeah, and definitely. American in the league. That is something sure. that I, I would love to see. Um, but that's, that's my spiel about the Costa Ricans. I'm sure people are telling me to shut up about it already. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you know, that's another, that's another like nice little thing of, of going to the game in person is that after the game, you get to, to look down and see like, Oh, who's all friends. Who's going to like take, take a little selfie post game with somebody from the other team. That's, that's a cute thing. I like to see that. So that that was nice to get to see them chatting after the game. Yeah. And I want that picture of them taken together yeah. up in the Louvre or something soon <laughs> like, or where that um, FIFA museum is in mm-hmm. Switzerland or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, any more thoughts on that game? And we can talk about the Utah game. Um, gosh, not in the time available. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I've covered all my sort of main bullet points. Awesome. So for the for the Utah game, we we mentioned earlier that it was a one one draw. Uh, Amy Rodriguez and the Royals scored first and in the early in the second half Christine Sinclair added another goal it it makes me so mad that these stats aren't going to count Mm, for like yeah reg quote-unquote regular season stats yeah um because Sinclair has just been on fire in the fall series yes um yeah gosh the stats thing is funny I'm not actually I haven't like looked into this any further but we found out on we found out yesterday morning that there is a yellow card accumulation rule <laughs> where oh if God. you get two yellow cards, you have to sit out the next game, which just seems nuts to me. So as a result of that, um, Megan Klingenberg, she had a yellow in each of the two previous games. So she had to sit out against um, the Royals. Um, yeah, I, I think my sort of big broad strokes thoughts about this game are basically that just as um, I think there's kind of an asterisk on the scores of the, the previous two, I think that there is kind of an asterisk on this one too, where now the shoe's on the other foot, the thorns are on three days of rest, playing at altitude, which is really hard if you've never done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I really think 1-1 is a pretty dang good result, like given all that. Um, and then I also think, um, you know, speaking of the yellow card accumulation, um I think that Megan Klingenberg was a pretty big loss for the Thorns offensively. Um, I think they missed her on that left side for sure. Um, it was it was nice to get to see Emily Ogle in the midfield get some time. Um, nice to see Madison Pogark um, get to step in where, where Kling would usually play. Um, yeah, I think the first sort of 10 to 15 minutes of the game were just pretty chaotic. Um and I think outside of that, the the Thorns, like I said, really did pretty well. Utah, I think, was very hungry um, to get that goal. And I thought that they defended and played as a team much better than they did in their first outing against Portland. So, yeah, that was a fun, that was an exciting game, too, um, just sort of in a different way. Yeah, for sure. I'm From what I've seen of it, um, I really think that Utah as well, are playing much better under Amy LaPelvet. And I think there's kind of like a rejuvenation there for the Royals and, and for the Thorns. I mean, I think, like you said, losing Megan Klingberg, they had her in the huddle. I saw with, the, yes. with their with <laughs> the the phone. phone. <laughs> they put her on the Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> yeah, which was awesome because yeah. if, if you want anyone in the NWSL to give you a pregame pep talk, I think <laughs> Megan Klingberg is on like, the list. Kling needs to like sell motivational speeches or something she needs to figure out like like she's good at those yeah I don't like listen she's from Pittsburgh so I love her just <laughs> that that's just I mean that's like she could do anything and like whatever and I'd still love her because she's from Pittsburgh mm-hmm. um, but yeah she's so like she's kind of like Megan Rapino in a way but I don't know I don't know how to say it she just is so like funny but in the same sense she's very serious she is and you don't know how to take it it's the perfect blend it's like she she knows 
She knows the message that she needs to get across. She knows that it's a little bit corny. And so she throws some humor in there to sort of, you know, it's like we're laughing, but we're also very serious about this. And we're also, we are going to swear a lot in this huddle before <laughs> the game. Um, yeah, I, she, she's great. I love her speeches. That's a given. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say for me on the end of, of Portland, because I think Mark Parsons is going to have a really hard time trying to figure out which players to keep and which players he's willing to let go. And then, you know, also granted, we don't have the rules yet, but there's the, um, the draft with Louisville coming in, dispersal um, draft, which is going to bring all kinds of craziness, but there's so much, there's so much talent that if Mark Parsons could have like a 40 player roster for the Thorns, he would just, he would be over the moon and throughout the challenge cup and throughout the fall series, he's had a lot of talent. And I know for me, one player I think is super underrated is Ange Salem. Yeah. And I think she's, that amazing. she's been so good throughout the challenge cup and throughout the, um, throughout the fall series. And it's like, well, you know, she's getting a lot of starts right now. Is that going to happen in 2021? Um, but she's been incredible for them. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, I mean, the, the you, you're correct. I think that the roster is very deep right now. And um, I also, I want to kind of rewind a little bit and I got to catch myself because I have not mentioned Simone Charlie yet, who's probably my favorite Thorns player, yes. um, who I'm sure everybody's heard the story by now, but if you haven't, she was a, a college track athlete. She did triple jump and she came to the Thorns undrafted in 2017 and worked her butt off for a whole year finally um made it onto I think the like the supplemental roster um for the world cup and has just grown so much I remember watching her in preseason in 2017 and she's like this very fast hardworking, energetic player but um and and you can kind of see what she wants to do but it's just not like all there yet and then seeing her finally put it all together figure out the dribbling um, figure out her positioning, figure out her crossing that freaking cross. She hit to Rocky Rodriguez the other night. Mm. Um, so I, I think, honestly, I think that this is a little bit of an underrated aspect of the thorns as an organization is that they, they do obviously attract these, you know, super talented world-class players. Um, but they also have a track record of developing players that are maybe overlooked by other teams, um, whether it's players like Simone Charlie that they pick up, um, you know, who went undrafted. Um, Celeste Bure is another player that that happened to. Um, or whether it's players like, um, like honestly, like Megan Klingenberg, who obviously used to be on the, the women's national team, but was kind of languishing in Houston. And the, the Thorns, I think, just have a track record of picking up these players that other people are not quite sure what to do with. Oh, Haley Rasso is another great example of this. Mm-hmm. She was, Washington couldn't figure out what to do with her. And she came to Portland, followed Mark Parsons to Portland and and became like a star. So um, this is a long rambling way of saying, <laughs> yes, I think the Thorns roster is very deep. Um, I think that it's safe to describe this team as good right now. Uh and yeah, I have no idea going forward, like what the, what sort of decisions get made in the um, dispersal draft or any of that. But I think it's all pretty exciting. Everything we've seen um, looking forward to next season. 
without a doubt, Christy Holly is watching these games and just <laughs> rubbing his hands together, getting yeah. ready to make some moves, um, which is, I mean, adding a new team is obviously very exciting, but it's going to be quite a stressful time for some coaches. And I think for Mark sure. Parsons is going to have the most stress yeah. <laughs> of them all. <laughs> Any Anything else Thorns related you want to you want to add? No, I think I pretty much in my in my rambling there, I think I pretty much covered all of it. <laughs> you can ramble about the Thorns. I'll ramble about Costa Ricans. Very good. It'll just be a happy union. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks for thanks for joining and, and listeners will be back for segment two. We're gonna have Jeff Kasuf on to talk a little bit more about the NWSL and what's going on in Utah with the coaching with Amy LaPelbit and of course the um, investigation around Craig Harrington. And we're also going to talk some WSL. So stick around and we'll be back. What's up everybody. Jeff Kasuf here, founder of the equalizer. I want to make sure that, you know, we also have another podcast called kicking back, which is interview based. We talk to players, coaches, personalities from across women's soccer about defining moments in their career and some important things from the present day and look ahead a little bit to the future. We've had guests like Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, Jill Ellis, Bev Yanez, Ali Riley, Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm, so many already and many more to come. So please go ahead and check out Kicking Back Pod on any platform you find your podcast after, of course, you've finished up with this episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Welcome back to the second segment of the Equalizer podcast. A reminder to please check us out on the web by going to EqualizerSoccer.com or for premium content, you can go to EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. We are rolling out all sorts of content for the remainder of the NWSL fall series matches. So find us at EqualizerSoccer.com and EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. We're also on social media at EqualizerSoccer on Twitter and by search through Facebook. We are also on Instagram with the username at equalizer underscore soccer. And listeners, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. Thanks to Caitlin for joining us for the first segment to talk about the Portland Thorns. And now we have Jeff Kasuf with us to chat about some more NWSL stuff and to talk about England. But we're keeping it domestic for a little bit. So, Jeff, you have some news going on with the Utah Royals who just played last night to a 1-1 draw against the Thorns. Any thoughts on that match? And then you've got some news. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, the match, um, you know, Amy Rodriguez with that early goal, I think uh, always fun, the uh, the A-Rod Portland Thorns matchup as we've seen in, in past years. I know some personnel has changed. Um, you know, I think Portland's generally looked, looked good. This fall series had some consistency, which, you know, you both, um, you hit on some of those points before this, um, talking about thorns. So, um, you know, look, Utah is an interesting situation. We, you know, to your, uh, your point there of the, the plug before we just started talking here, you know, we've got a lot of various, you know, we have features, but we also have a lot of reporting on, on equalizer soccer for members of, of extra, um, which you can do at equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. And the one we sent out this past week, um, which our subscribers got by email before even there was a story on the site, 
is a little update on the Utah coaching search, which um, the, the full extent of it is, I guess I say search, I should say situation at the moment, but um, you know, Craig Harrington on, Harrington on leave of absence, which we knew a couple of weeks back, it was pretty abrupt and, and sudden um, nothing super detailed that I've seen reported nor really had said to me in, in conversations in terms of uh, in depth detail about what the, the happenings were, but um some some inappropriate language and conversations is kind of what has vaguely been been alluded to but the the gist of it being uh Craig Harrington after um you know just getting hired early this year on a leave of absence as head coach Amy LaPelbit who's been the the reserve team head coach and an assistant coach for a couple of years now for Utah um taking over on an interim basis for these first few games for Utah at least through the fall series and what what I had been told by multiple sources and that, that reported um, earlier this week for our subscribers was uh, Utah's already talking about what's next. And I don't think it'd be a huge surprise that, you know, a coach who's on a leave of absence, um, who's been put on a leave of absence and, and for kind of the, the reasons that are at least being rumbling about, um, you know, would not be back or would be permanently out. But um, that's what, what all sources that I've talked to are indicating, which I don't think is a huge surprise. The, the nugget um, that we, you know, that was interesting to me is that Utah already kind of talking about, well, what is next? And the big initiative that I'm hearing that Utah wants is a woman as a head coach. Um, and, and the interesting part about that, obviously, is here you have Amy LaPelbit, who is the interim head coach. She's been groomed in the system as the reserve team head coach and assistant head coach. Um, she's shown us at least a few things here in this very limited window of the fall series and, you know, familiar with the organization, uh, an Olympic champ, Olympic gold medalist, you know, played in the world cup, but one of the best domestic defenders, you know, domestic league defenders in the U S um, U S pro league history. So um, I think it's a really interesting time for Utah coming into this, this off street off season stretch where, you know, you, from everything I've heard, they want a woman as their next head coach, obviously, you know, someone who's super qualified and, and here you have, um, a, you know, seemingly very qualified woman already taking over on interim basis. So I'm curious to see what happens in Utah. Yeah. Not to take anything away from a Amy LaPelbit, but to kind of shift my focus, I'm thinking like th this has to be it for Craig Harrington, right? I mean, I couldn't see, another you know whether it's an expansion team or whether it's a team like a team that's already in the nwsl that maybe they decide to go in a different way with a head coach and you know someone gets fired that i can't see anyone you know trying to reach out after first off you had all of the stuff with del loy hansen come out and then right after that all of these grumblings about craig harrington coming out and i just think that that puts such a sour taste when it comes to Harrington that I can't see him even as an assistant coach coming back into um, the NWSL. And I don't know if you're on the same page with that, but that's just where I stand. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think we need more detail on what exactly happened. I mean, I think, you know, in general, you're probably right on a, yeah, it's of on the field because we had a challenge cup, which was, you know, five games for Utah um, and, and most teams anyway, or half the teams. Um, and then you have, well, didn't even get into this fall series with, with Harrington in charge. So um, I thought, you know, actually 
was intrigued. I think one of the more interesting tactical things of the Challenge Cup was Utah playing a three-back, which is is not super common in this league, um, and and was you know was actually working for them. But yeah, without a little more and you know on what happened and what exactly happened, I mean it's it's tough to say. But um, you know I, I think it, it certainly you know he's in a situation where there wasn't a huge amount of of evidence of, of, you know, what he was looking like in a head coach role because of the the limited time in charge. Um, and then obviously getting a little bit more detail on kind of what exactly happened. Um, but, but certainly I think, you know, we'll have to see, I don't know. I think it's a little too early to know, you know, the big long-term future for him in general, but um, certainly Utah is moving in the direction. I think the legalities and, and whatnot of them, you know, are, are, what's holding up sort of a something being quote unquote official, but moving the direction of, of someone else. So um, yeah, I mean, like I said, with lapel bit, but I, I think there will be, you know, it's hard to get a head coaching job in this league. So I'm sure there will be competition for that as well. Only a couple spots that are extremely coveted, not like it's, you know, like MLS where there's 30 something teams. Yeah. Um for Amy LaPelba, do you think she's a good fit for what the Royals are trying to do? Because I know for me, from watching the Royals and the two matches that she was uh, a- able to coach in, I just think that they look more rejuvenated. I'm not saying that they are like give it, they gave up on Craig Harrington because he was only there for a limited amount of time. And I think, you know, over time players, you know, would give up on on a coach or or something like that, or like a coach would, as the saying goes, lose the locker room. But do you think that like Amy LaPelle, a good fit? It's really hard to say, honestly, because I think the, you know, I think she's a good fit from the idea that she, you know, is someone who knows the, the organization has um, been part of, you know, a couple of different coaching staffs now um, has guided the reserves. I think, I kind of got the impression that the reserves and certainly the academy, although so much has changed in the past two months or so there with, with what you said, with the investigation of Deloy Hansen, he's going to sell the team and all the assets, the club. Um, but, but I got the impression that they had a long-term vision of, you know, having an academy set up as well, where the, you know, there was talent coming out of the academy. So um, that's not something that's going to happen tomorrow, but you know, in that sense, someone who's been groomed in house like LaPelbit, um, you know, I think having that, that idea of what, what's going on from a, a soccer standpoint is good. Now, you know, I think we probably, well, we've talked about on the pod, I guess I haven't been on the pod specifically for the conversation, but probably talked enough about the investigation itself of, of Deloy Hansen and the club. So I think it's just fair to say that, these players, you know, and, and don't forget on top of a year where everybody in the world is like, you know, having uh, quite a year because of, of COVID and everything else, you know, the, this Utah team specifically has what's gone on the past two months um, come to light and, and they're dealing with that, which I'm sure is mentally draining. And, and honestly, if, if a lot of what's, you know, being said is true, then, you know, maybe they've been dealing with things we don't even know about for a while now. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say if she's the right fit right now, uh, but I think she's a very obvious candidate based on what they want, uh, her experience thus far, and, um, you know, what we've seen in the very limited sample size from her. Yeah, and it's always good to have a little bit more diversity with coaching staffs around the league, and right now only Freya Coombe is the only 
head coach in the NWSL who is a woman, but um, transitioning now to overseas, there's a couple female head coaches in the WSL and there are a lot of American players and just players who have come from NWSL that are in the WSL um, over in England. And this weekend, there were a few debuts. We're still waiting on Alex Morgan to debut, but we saw Kristen Press and Tobin Heath both debut uh, for Manchester United. Um, what were your thoughts on on how they played? And I, I think what Kristen got about 10-ish minutes of, of playing time. Yeah, a little bit more. The second half, uh, you know, I think a decent amount of playing time for both of them considering, um, you know, first game in uh, really since early March, first competitive game for either of them. So, um, you know, an assist, a debut assist and stoppage time for Tobin Heath. Um, Kristen Press about maybe an inch away from scoring in the debut, hit the, the inside of the post. And I think it just went from from the camera angle. It went just square across the goal, I think, across the goal line and got got cleared. So, um, you know, I think Manchester United is an interesting team and, and they certainly are going to be players that make that team better, you know, an opening day draw with Chelsea, seven points from three games. So unbeaten now. Um, and then some big games ahead as well, obviously, I think, uh, the, the, the Manchester Derby is about a month out at this point. Um, and, and some, you know, obviously some big games in between that. Um, but, you know, I think good debuts for them. I think they're probably very happy to just be back on a field again. You know, it's for it's sure. something, you know, it's affected everybody, obviously. But I think U.S. players in particular have been, um, especially the ones who have skipped the Challenge Cup or couldn't play in it. You know, it's been a long time since they played a game. And to those who might not know the final scores from some of these matches, Manchester United beat Brighton and Hove Albion 3 nothing. Man City took down Tottenham 4 to 1, Arsenal took down Bristol City 3 to 1, Chelsea took down Birmingham City 1 nothing, and then Reading defeated West Ham United 1-0. So no draws this weekend uh, in WSL <laughs> action, which is always exciting for one team, not very great for the well, other team. <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm happy there were no uh, nine goal games either, so that, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, I always feel bad for for the teams in those games. It's like, oh, it's a great scoring game, but not so great on defense. Um, and uh, the te- one of the teams that didn't play is Everton, and they're just absolutely on fire right now. So they deserve an honorable mention, even though they didn't play this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, FA Cup final for Everton. I think Valerie Govan has been very good. Haley Rasso as well um, have been been very good um and they played yeah they had the fa cup final that uh, fa cup semi-final that they played midweek and then uh and then uh won on uh saturday against actually, aston so. via yep six nothing so no, not quite that's nine the, goals <laughs> jeff but yeah. six goals well, yeah i should have said i should have i'm already forgetting um the day before so yeah that we did have a blowout in the in the league this 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 weekend with everton uh in that result and then a tighter result in the fa cup midweek earlier this week so um, and you wonder if there's going to be a blowout this coming Saturday um, <laughs> <laughs> with Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur. This is the uh, first match of the WSL season. And that's going to be on NBC SN. I hope I got that right, Jeff. Um, and this is where we could potentially see Alex Morgan debut. I know you were on, you saw the presser call. We put up a little clip on our social media and everything of, 
of um, Alex Morgan just talking about how I think she said something along the lines of nobody wants to see me out on the field more than me. And I think that's an understatement for how long, you know, you had just mentioned it's been a while since Tobin Heath and Chris Impress have played soccer, but it has been quite some time that Alex Morgan has played soccer too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I think, um, I know we get a lot of questions too about like TV view in and we'll try to be better on the site, I guess, about, um, you know, just like plainly spelling out how to watch things, but uh, I am excited for first first live game on on NBCSN for WSL on 7:30 a.m. Saturday the 10th Tottenham Manchester United which yeah it could be Kristen Press Tobin Heath versus Alex Morgan in that Tottenham Man United game um no no Morgan even in the 18 on Sunday here against uh, in that loss we mentioned against Man City where Lavelle and Mewis played and, and Mewis scored um but you know I think I'm interested to see her back on the field, obviously, you know, it has been, as you said, a lot longer, obviously, um, you know, giving birth to her first child um, and then, and then the comeback process from there, um, you know, really not quite a year and a half, but it's, it's been over a year at this point, certainly. And, and it's, um, you know, I think she's ready to get back. Like you said, the, the press conference was a long one. I think, you know, um, she's probably happy to to do that just to be back to to playing. But, um, you know, points for me, I think that were interesting where, you know, she did kind of spell out the process of, of deciding on Tottenham and when and how last minute it really was and how she had driven Orlando. And um, we've got that actually um, another subscriber benefit for uh, <laughs> uh, our subscribers for the, uh, on that process that, that she explained, which, you know, I think was interesting. You know, she trained individually in Orlando for a week. Um, she had a delay in getting into team training that she said was out of her control. And, and that was kind of as much as we kind of got on that, that sort of descriptive nature, but um, you know, and it was at that point, which was a few days before the transfer deadline, the day before labor day that she decided she needed to pursue something. And um, the Tottenham deal, came together. Um, another thing that, you know, we've reported on that I've reported on is, you know, Tottenham it's, this is about playing like Leon. I think we've seen the reports, people listening have probably seen the reports that that deal was reported at, you know, 30,000 plus per month for, for that six month stretch for her a few years back. This Tottenham deal is, is not anything, you know, it's, it's about her getting on the field, which, um, you know, she obviously needs to do. It's not, it's not much of a financial lift for Tottenham at all. So I think it's a huge benefit for Spurs. Um, and hopefully we see her and, you know, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people, Tottenham included, obviously, but, you know, some folks at NBCSN and, and some others who hope that uh, that Tottenham Man United game that's live on NBCSN is going to have, you know, all three Americans in it and maybe starting if possible. I don't think Morgan will based on what she said and not making the 18 this week, but um, I, I'm interested to see that circle the calendar. Yeah, and good news for those who are on the East Coast and don't like waking up early because last or I guess at time of recording last night, there was a 10 p.m. game and then there were 7.30 games in the WSL. So to those who don't want to wake up and actually enjoy their sleep like myself, there is a 5 p.m. game on Friday in the NWSL and then a 7.30 game on Saturday. So you all can go to bed on the East Coast at like hmm. 8 o'clock at night and then wake up early in the morning for, for that Tottenham Man United game. So there you go. <laughs> all all good stuff there. I'm also very excited to hopefully see 
Alex Morgan. That would be really cool to see all three Americans on the pitch. And then also another really good shout to the players who are just from the NWSL, uh, Alana Kennedy, Shalina Zadorsky for Tottenham. I'm excited to see them play as well. Um, if, if I decide to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, fine. Not too bad. I will. The, I will. The, yeah. The West coast folks are the ones, like you said, I think, uh, that's like the, uh, when I, every year I say, I'm going to watch the Australian W league. And then I'm like, well, I'll watch it on delay at a normal hour. And then I, I watch some of it, but you know, it's just like the, the 2 AM kickoff. I mean, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. Yeah, but they don't feel our pain with the 10 p.m. kickoff. <laughs> so yeah. the two, there's a, there's a balance, I guess. It, there's a method in the scheduling madness. I'm I'm sure of it. Yeah, <laughs> true. Speaking of madness, we have um, a couple of questions. That's not quite the madness, but betting is madness, especially for me, especially because I do not understand betting so i'm gonna pretty much give you this entire question um we got two questions in and diane hansen had asked will the nwsl miss a big opportunity to engage fans through sports betting if they don't get a handle on timely dissemination of information thinking about traveling injuries trades testing etc um i know nothing about betting so this is you jeff (laughs) Uh, Diane, I feel like you're in on our like editorial meetings or something. Right? <laughs> um, well, no, we did write about this a little bit. I think Ray Kern did a, a good job in the in June writing about this. And um, yeah, I think short answer is like the it's definitely something the league and the sport needs to be paying attention to. Um, you know, I'm not a gambling expert, and and you know, I'm not saying that. You know, I, I guess I should say acknowledge. You know, what you know that there are maybe potential downfalls or dangers to, to it, if not, you know, done through proper channels, which I think, you know, certainly on the legal side, you'd obviously do. But, you know, I think if you look at different sports, um, any big sport has significant gambling around it. And, you know, for, for women's sports um, I've, you know, had conversations in years past about this, not even just editorial, but just like understanding it from the, the business side and and there's you know i think it's interesting how we talk about like a lack of media coverage in women's sports women's soccer and what that is you know you can replace that term with the word information there's a lack of information and that's what traditionally has i mean on top of the the actual money side of it yes you know can can we make money from this is probably the first question that um, anybody's kind of asking in any business and certainly gambling, but, um, the lack of information, I think in the past and maybe still to some degree has made it dangerous for betting companies because they just don't, they don't know the space, the women's soccer space. So, you know, if you set a bad line and someone like, you know, I don't, I've never gambled on a game in my life, maybe, maybe a Saratoga race when I was, when I was young with my grandparents or something, but, um, you know, certainly nothing that we're covering and nobody on our, you know, our, in our organization is doing it, but like, you know, folks like us or, or Diane, I'm sure you're, you're, you know, someone like you, a fan who's very invested and knows what they're talking about. I mean, if, if a gambling site were to set a bad line and there were enough of folks like, like you or savvy folks who were like, actually, I would take that bet on Houston winning the challenge cup or, you know, whatever it might be, then um, they'd obviously, you know, lose a significant amount of money on it. So I think there's just a lack of information, but it it would be very wise for the league 
to the point of your question, to get ahead of the conversation, get ahead of things. And I know from, we had a story on this in June. We've got another story actually that that's been in the works on um, related to this. And I can tell you for sure that like gambling is not on the league's radar right now. And I, I do think that like a lot of things, I mean, the league has a lot of fires to put out, but it's been putting out fires for eight years. And this is not a fire, but thinking long-term, this is something long-term that at least needs a strategy. And I don't know that they have one yet. So that needs to change quickly. Yeah, for sure. And agreed with all that you said. I think that, <laughs> you know, with when it comes to betting, it's just kind of like knowing the market, if that makes sense. And I think that there needs to be more research before it actually happens. Um, our next question is from at M Colburn. I am so sorry if I said that wrong on, on Twitter, they sent us a message and asked, could we have a U.S. version of the FA cup disclaimer? We do not make these decisions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the, the U S women's open cup is something that's talked about quite a bit. I've, I've had conversations about it and the different, you know, realities and, and complications and, you know, where does the Federation fit into, you know, helping subsidize things like travel that, you know, is always kind of a, um, a burden and, and a, a drawback and, and a reason that it maybe isn't happening. But, um, you know, we've heard from everybody in the NWSL. I think most every coach that I've talked to wants some kind of a cup competition to continue after this challenge cup. So I think certainly like a mid season type of league cup is, is probably the most realistic thing at the moment is very doable. And I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that again. And certainly I think you could, if the end of smart, which they've been making some smart decisions, I think this year would be do another type of challenge cup shorter, you know, straight knockout competition, call it a league cup and take this fall series concept and have the, the reward be, the same thing, a, a grant to a local charity. So you're getting young players minutes and you're also, you know, supporting a local business or foundation. I think you can combine those two, but um, a proper open cup, which is basically the U S open cup on the men's side is the FA cup, you know, same thing that, that England has open everybody, amateur teams. Um, I know there are others who feel very passionate about this and we could talk about it for an hour, but my short version is, you know, we're still not close to it happening. Um, I don't know how we get there because the gap between where we are and where we need it to be to make it work is, is pretty large. I think just because of, I don't think there's a huge appetite for it at a federation level at a pro level. Um, but I'd love to see it. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to see something regionalized to start, you know, UWS teams, WPSL teams, you know, maybe they get a home game against a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, a Portland Timber, a Port, well, Portland, Portland Thorns have to, <laughs> you know, play a play a road game. Uh, I don't know at, at a Sounders Women or something. You know that that'd be, I'd be interesting. Uh, interested, you know, Angel City is going to have to go up to Cal Storm or something and and play a, an Open Cup game. It'd be cool, but um, you know, th there's so many issues. Um, I don't think, I don't think that as of yet the NWSL and the women's game has kind of the the luxury of sorts. Um, I don't want to call it a luxury. I think it's just low on the list of, of priorities and um, it's something that needs to be figured out, but I don't know how you get to that point quickly. 
you're lucky the question wasn't about like a women's CONCACAF Champions League because I would sit here for probably an hour <laughs> about why I want this and why I just want all the Latina countries to just come to the U.S. and just put on a heck of a show. Well, and I think something like that, though, is almost easier in the sense that like you'd be taking what in that scenario, the two best NWSL teams and maybe the two best, you know, Liga MX Femenil teams. So you're talking about um, a couple of teams at the pro level that the travel would be more significant because it's inter, you know, intercontinental of, or, you know, but um, it doesn't, it, I think the challenge is like, you know, these, these amateur sides, um, so many of them, I mean, now you, Rachel, you're drawing me into that longer conversation. <laughs> Good. That was my plan. Yeah. I, I think for a lot of reasons with amateur teams that are playing short two month seasons and don't have any kind of budget, it's almost easier to talk about. Um, I know I've talked to CONCACAF Champions League is still not super realistic either, but like the club world cup that I'm tired of hearing about from FIFA without it actually happening, it needs to just happen. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what, you know, the ICC is filling that hole, but I think that's easier because you're talking about a couple of elite teams who are going to either have the budget or find a budget or have, you know, a league help, but an actual open cup FA cup style, you're talking about teams that have no budget at, at the level of hundreds of them. And how do you figure out how to set that up? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting, especially because, like, I mean, if you look at the CONCACAF Champions League from the men's side, too, I mean, the leagues in those, I don't want to say lesser countries, but, like, more up-and-coming with women's soccer countries like Costa Rica and, you know, Trinidad and Tobago and, and Mexico even, like, it's so much different. And they're, like, the number isn't just there yet. And, I mean, Canada doesn't have a women's team. And at least in Canada for the men, they have the CPL and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole nine yards, but I could go on for hours about that and nobody wants that. <laughs> um, but any, any parting thoughts before we say adios today? Adios. Um, no, I think, you know, I'm excited for, uh, you know, we've got the end of the fall series and, and um, I think many of us in the U S here will be happy that, you know, the FAWSL is, is easier to access. It wasn't hard to access before. But, you know, we've got something after basically having very little NWSL this season that there's a, a real season, a full season of, uh, you know, soccer to watch, some familiar names, some good games. So um, looking forward to that. And I know I've mentioned it briefly in the first segment, um, but I am going to die on a hilltop screaming about the fact that Costa Ricans made history <laughs> in the NWSL. <laughs> And Jeff, this is probably like the fifth time you've heard it from me, but let's make it, let's make it more, but um, just a huge congrats to Shirley Cruz and Raquel Rodriguez for making history as the first two Costa Rican players to ever face off in an NWSL match. Let's get some more in the league and let's just make it all happen. Um, Don't forget to subscribe uh, equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe all good content on there and we will see you for the next show. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon 
versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.